The world is in crisis. Faced with war, disease, poverty, and subjugation, many have resigned themselves to the worst. We need new inspiration. We need new hope. We need new heroes. New abilities. New names. New faces. New champions of what's true and what's right. Welcome to, to the, the Heroic, Heroic Origins, Origins Podcast. Hey, true conceivers, welcome to the Heroic Origins Podcast. I'm Terrence. And I'm Dave. And we're just two comic book nerds doing what we love to do. Make, Make up new superheroes. superheroes. Today we have two special guests, each returning for a second time. Kelly Cowling and Scott Roche. Welcome back. Happy to be here. Glad to be back. In each of their previous appearances, we came up with members of a pantheon of linguistic gods. And we wanted to have a special episode where we flesh out that idea. Let's review the characters we came up with previously. Cassandra Rousseau was bullied as a child for her stammer. She spent her teenage years honing her mind and body to overcome her insecurities and to develop the eloquence to thrive. While working on her graduate thesis, she uncovered a forgotten manuscript by the ancient philosopher Epictetus. After reciting an arcane passage, she was infused with the powers of Anastrophea, goddess of rhetoric and member of a cosmic pantheon of linguistic deities. Since then, she uses her powers of cosmic emotional awareness as a champion of truth to combat the purveyors of misinformation. In the pantheon of linguistic deities, Mimos is the god of contagious ideas. But Mimos grew bored with their brethren and decided to dwell amongst the easily inspired masses of humanity. With a bedazzled calcia and six-fingered hands, Mimos wanders the earth, adding inspiration with a touch and an incantation. Despite the flair Mimos foments, they long for a connection that transcends their promotional puffery. In fact, Mimos finds their own inspiration from their cynical artist friends who are suspicious of the seductive stimulation in a society steeped in subconscious subjugation. All right, so we're going to flesh out this idea of a, uh, of a pantheon of linguistic deities. Um, we're going to take a 20-minute brainstorm. Then we're going to take a break to do a superhero sidebar. And uh, and then we'll come back and if there are any gaps in in what we've already discussed, we'll we'll kind of follow up on those. So we're going to get started here. We got 20 minutes. We'll be on the clock uh, to, to flesh out this pantheon starting now. All right. So so we got Mebos and Anastrophia. One thing we didn't mention is that uh, Kelly, we, we had gotten together and talked a little bit about Anastrophia and had decided on. Uh, her brother, the god of rhetoric, Pathos Sardon or Pathos Sardonis, uh, who is kind of the uh, the more easygoing version of uh, of rhetoric, a little bit you know more, uh, you know maybe a little less logical, loose more emotional. I'm yeah. sorry, a bit loose with his words, a bit. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah, like Anastrophia was a little bit more of the the honorable rhetoric, a little bit right. more of the. Um, logos rather than the the pathos and i noticed you know there's if we're, we're looking at like the aristotelian breakdown there's also ethos 
which is about, I guess, uh, reputation or character uh, or appeals to authority, I think. Um, is that right? Am I, do you, does that ring correct for you guys? Yes. If you know rhetoric. Okay. So, but okay. I just wanted to throw that out there that we did have that character also floating around. So, um, so we know we have Anastrophia. We have Mimos. We have Pathosardonis. But what are... You know, what would be the deities of a linguistic path pantheon? I mean, these are we're, we're talking about rhetoric and memes, which are pretty complex, you know, more comp complex concepts in language. You know, we didn't we don't have like syntax uh, or 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 spelling, you know, I mean, a god of spelling. I mean, maybe I, <laughs> how fundamental is it? Are the gods only for these more complex concepts or? you know, should they be for some of the more fun, you know, like, should we have a god named Semantis, the, you know. Well, I think you could take it even further down in your language and just have like little minor, really minor little spirits of like verbs and nouns and. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, a lot of descriptive language, but I think um, Semantis, I mean, if syntax is word order without meaning, and semantics is word order, words in the right order with meaning, then I think the, the sort of Zeus of this pantheon could be, what did you say, Semantos? Semantos, or it could be Semantos. We could actually, Semantos would be more Greek, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's about meaning. I mean, I think language is about conveying meaning and we have gods who are trying to convey meaning in different ways. Anastrophia hmm. through rhetoric, Mimos through um, these sort of viral ideas that can be more complex than they seem on the surface. Pathos Sardanus, who's um, communicating it through pathos, through emotion. Um, so I think Semantos could be in charge of them all. So Semantos would be a like a god of meaning or a, uh, a deity of meaning? Yes. Meaning. Okay. So that I like that. I like that. So it's really about meaning. Mm -hmm. And uh and then it's the, the 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 other gods are kind of fleshing out the different ways that meaning can be worked out. Thought for a, for almost a Janus-faced god here. Um and you know, you know how among the Romans he had the two-faced god Janus who was the god of doorways. Uh-huh. Um in this case one face is poetry. And the other mm -hmm. faces, and the other faces, puns and wordplay, because because in both cases you're using words to evoke meanings beyond the words themselves, or so, to, to to layer meanings. So would would that be one one god or two? You know, I I I I could see, I could see it I could see it either way, um, either as a particularly rambunctious pair of twins. Or as a very, <laughs> or as a very unpredictable singular god. I like I like the idea that it's, well, you know, the thing about twins is that they they sometimes they sometimes work together, right? So they're, right, they're they, right. they can be kind of psychologically linked in a way. So so it could be two that kind of act as one sometimes and then act as you know in opposition. I well, what would be the name of our puns and poetry? Do you know duo gods? 
if we keep kind of a i guess we got kind of a greek Greco-Roman kind of thing going here. here for the naming convention yeah hmm. you know i i like this god because i gave a paper i delivered a paper once at a gray havens philosophy conference plug um and it was about humor i think it was humor as a a metaphor for um, enlightenment or spiritual awakening. And I yes. talked about how um, a spiritual awakening is an aha moment. It's an epiphany. It's something that you suddenly just know. And yes. poetry, there's this central silence, which is sort of the emotional crux of the poem, where you just go, oh, aha, or you just get it all of a sudden. And you see how these are the right words in the right order and how this expresses something in just a perfect way and in puns and wordplay and riddles and jokes there's this sort of violation of expectation so Mm -hmm. you think that something is going to go a certain way or mean a certain thing and then it doesn't or um, you have to figure out the riddle and it's a sort of unexpected answer and you just have this aha moment and I think that is a like a little epiphany. And so I think we could have somehow name this God after um, having a little epiphany or- oh, Well, epiphany, God. actually epiphany right there sounds like a name, right? It does. Yeah, it does. Let's just do epiphany. Yes. <laughs> epiphany and uh, so we're, we're talking about kind of uh, subverting expectations. So what's a what's a good word for that? subversion hmm hmm this is where we can pull up our thesaurus oh good idea <laughs> yes subvert uh could go off of wordplay and do like anagram or something anagramata <laughs> oh yeah the anagram the anagram grandma <laughs> or a that's or a pun like that's a, a, or palindromes or something yeah Oh, I yeah. Well, here's okay. Destabilize, unsettle, um, overthrow. Oh, oh, oh. The 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 word for a um for a for a pun addict is a paranomasiac. So oh, would, would you spell that for me. <laughs> would, would 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 paranomasia work for a name? How, how do you? Yeah, that would. I mean, I might my, my, or some version of that. How do you spell that? Para, I spell. Uh, I is that it? Think P A R A N O. This is this is it. I think. Yeah. A play on words. A pun. Paranomasia. Terrence, what do you think about that? I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. It. So we've got epiphany and para. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I, I like it when we don't even really have to come up. I mean, they were just using the words. So, okay. And this is the, okay. Uh, uh, the deities of poetry and puns. All right. Okay. And we probably okay. I've, we, let's roll out. Well, let's let's kind of roll out just like let let's 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 because we're gonna have limited time here. Um, what is what do you think are just gonna be the most important? Uh, you know, uh, 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 I guess departments, <laughs> deific departments here. So we've got we got poetry, we got puns, we've got rhetoric, we've got memes. Um, what are just some other areas? Hmm. I mean, there's grammar. Yeah, the same thing occurred to me. 
and that could just be grammatose or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and that's 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 actually too that too on the nose. I think we should get something different. Synonym for grammar. You know, with, with with all the grammar police around, it makes sense. There must be some central being they're serving. <laughs> oh, there's well, there's syn- is syntax. Is that is that really the same? Or there's phonology. I mean, there's some cool, interesting stuff here. I mean, I think syntax is sort of the same as grammar because, but you can understand the syntax of a language without understanding the meaning. And diagramming mm-hmm. a sentence, for example, which I think would be one of the rituals of the cult of <laughs> linguistics. That would be um, yes. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> like, I mean, instance, you, don't, you need to understand what type of word it is. Is it an adjective, adjective or a verb? And um, But you don't need to necessarily understand what it means, the content of the word. So, well, okay, so grammar, so grammar, you do need to understand the content of the word. Well, you don't, I mean, well, it's not, oh, I see this is a meaning. You're understanding the structure as much as anything, but still, it creates the framework for meaning. So it's like you need that in order to understand how these words are being used. So it does, hmm. I'm, I'm just because syntax is such a cool word, you know, syntaxius or something, or syntaxia. Syntaxia would be kind of a neat uh name um but maybe it could be like a double name like pathos sardonis you know it could be like Mm -hmm. syntaxia um you know something else that adds meaning to it somehow (laughs) we already have a god of semantics um that's true yeah so i mean since i feel like go ahead i feel like your grammar god though would be the uh like the you've got your zeus and your hera oh they would be the two main you know Mm -hmm. Meaning and structure. Yeah. Are, are, are you sure your grammar god isn't your underworld chief, your 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 judgment god? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be kind of interesting. Uh, you know that that they would be married, but they would be at odds with each other. Which I guess Hera and Zeus were anyway, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Really, there's, there's, so there's prescriptive grammar, which is the grammar that is mm-hmm. um, overseen by a. a language authority like the alliance Francaise, or there is um and then there's descriptive mm. grammar and descriptive grammar is just the structure of being of putting words together in a way to be understood so your grammar might not follow the rules but i get what you're saying so these could be twin gods in a way oh they totally could yeah oh, geez, it makes me think that there need to be twin gods for all of these yeah. um <laughs> well that's okay pantheon <laughs> so well geez well how do we boy i like that concept uh let's let's write that down so we've got prescriptive and descriptive and descriptive <laughs> so uh, yeah, that would be well. That's okay. I like that. That's at least a category. We don't have to come up with names right away. Let's. Are there any other main categories that we? I really love the idea of having like a god of spelling. Mm. I don't. I, I just just because it's it would be like the. I mean, it's just. I don't know. It seems so small and minor and whatever, but it's just it takes the form of a bee. Yeah, it could be. Oh, that would totally. Yeah. This, this, what's Greek? What's the Greek word for bee? Um, Hymenostra. You actually know. Okay, I am so impressed. 
Melissa. No, Melissa. That's right. I should know. <laughs> I, I, I'm a guardian for Melissa. I should know this. Oh, that's right. It, I, that's right. Because it was so ironic. Because Missy is terrified of bees. Oh. <laughs> oh, interesting. So Melissa could be the goddess. We don't even have to. Melissa is already a name. Goddess of of spelling. <laughs> Would we want it to be like Melissa something? I mean, what's a um, what was the what I was looking up? Synonym for spell. Oh, that could be a magic spell too. Um, Melissa charm or something like that, or hex, hexia, Melissa hexia. Melissa mojo. Melissa mojo. What do you think of that? Um, Terrence, you're I, grimacing. I don't think you like that one. I think it's precise enough for a god of spelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, let's see. Yes. Things that have to do with order, because order is very important in spelling. But we've got okay, okay. We I, we should keep thinking about that. But are there any other any other major areas that we'd want to to cover? I mean, these are. This is actually pretty good. We've got we got structure. We got um, you know at di at different levels. We have the meaning. We have structure of of language. We have spelling which is a different level of structure um then we have complex things like poetry puns uh rhetoric and 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 memes contagious ideas and how how stuff spread i mean that's a lot that's a lot uh would anastrophia also be the goddess of prose or do we need a goddess of prose or a goddess of thick or a god oh, of in, in contrast to, to poetry and puns mm-hmm Mm -hmm. or a goddess oh. of fiction or a god of fiction and Samantha's could be a goddess as well yes or, yes or and who is this, and who is the sacred librarian here not gender oh, sacred librarian <laughs> i think the sacred librarian would be more of a high priest and then they would, would have you? librarians under them so that well that that's interesting well we haven't talked about the relationship of these yeah these gods to people yet. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, like a sacred librarian, if that's a high priest or priestess, uh, that I'm wondering if, if that person would have some control over the, the gods in some way, or if it would strictly be a, um, you know, as a disciple or something. I think if Anastrophia gained her powers through an old manuscript, then maybe the sacred librarian could somehow summon or conjure the gods through a manuscript or through some linguistic performance. Um, and the gods don't have to do what the sacred librarian says, but if you want to communicate with the gods or old manuscripts could be sort of like um an orb of the prophets in deep space nine where it just gives you this um spiritual experience well are we if we're talking about a librarian are mm -hmm. we making a distinction between written language and spoken language that's what i was thinking it was like their sacred sites might be more of the tv towers and the mm. you know places mm. where communication you know your mass communication centers or, yeah, or, the or, internet. or or the village squares and campfires where where there's been storytelling for generations. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. 
Interesting. And theaters and but I think libraries as well. well libraries are definitely a place because <laughs> poetry readings are no poetry readings are more of a, a worshipful activity, I think. Oh, okay. This is this is interesting. By the way, we're down to under three minutes on our time here. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah, this is <laughs> we. Wow, this is but, but but I like that. But I think this is well. Yeah, let's let's skip over to some of these other things here, and we, we can we can come up with like some of the specific names in the second half. But um, um, I, I are there demigods or heroes that are distinct from the gods themselves? I mean, do we want to have? I mean, did they mate with? I mean, our, you know, we could have like Shakespeare might have been a demi a demigod or something like that. So I think accomplished poets, accomplished playwrights, accomplished novelists, and accomplished philosophers, because philosophers um, deal in meaning. Would also suggest that it might well have been a either a mortal hero or a demigod who was the first person to fix words into writing. Uh, mm -hmm. oh so that there would have been that yeah they needed that that uh 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 transitional being interesting interesting it's sort of like in the beginning there was the word and then the word needs to be um translated transcribed yeah right, like, right. so this could be yeah. a foundational myth transcribed trans is a great word or is within the beginning there was a meaning and oh yes word <laughs> to ask you during the during the discussion is there a god of translation Ooh. oh oh <laughs> interesting common interesting. meanings across languages hey, something we haven't we haven't touched on is uh mythological creatures you know because there's some of these things could be handled by um you know, there's the Sphinx, you know, right? The, the Sphinx could be, you know, some sort of uh, like a character that asks questions, uh, sort of a, uh, the, uh, you know, questions were something that were, you know, created by these, these Titans or these, these, you know, Cyclops or something like that. In Cyclops, the in Cyclops. I love that. The Encyclops. Okay, <laughs> that maybe that's that's pretty cute. That's pretty cute though. <laughs> but 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 I like that. The Encyclops. But what are, what do they do? Are they? Uh, I guess they're well. But the, the the name implies that they're like collect, they're documenting things or they're collecting information, um, which is totally that that could be not the same as the sacred librarian, but they could be. Uh, and it parallels pretty well with the actual cyclops in Greek mythology because weren't they the weren't they the forgers, the forgers and makers in many cases? Oh dear, oh dear! I'm afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid, we have run out of time in our first brainstorming session. Oh. But uh, but we're but let's just finish that thought. The cyclops in, in Greek mythology were they? I know they were builders, weren't they? Followers of uh, um, Hephaestus. Yeah, because I, I think oh, they were really? supposed to have forged Zeus's lightning bolts. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that, that does mean that they've got... So the Encyclops were... Uh, the, the Cyclops were engineers, and the Encyclops were the... Uh, um, 
social engineers <laughs> social engineers maybe. <laughs> well we can flesh okay, that I'm out we can far. flesh that out in the second bra- the brainstorming period but right now we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to have our superhero sidebar we'll be back right after this welcome back to the heroic origins podcast my name is dave and i'm here with terrence and our special guests kelly and scott and uh it is now time for the superhero sidebar. Superhero sidebar. And our question today is: How were superheroes different from gods, or are they same thing? Do they function the same in society? It seems to me there's a little bit difference in that. Unlike gods, superheroes in theory we could be those superheroes at least since the marvel revolution right um maybe not superman but but (laughs) spider-man the whole idea was that we could be uh i mean superman feels more like a traditional god in a way right right well it was some of them feel very much like traditional gods i mean you i mean you have the flash the flash with (laughs) thor thor literally yeah to me anyway one of one of the key differences to me seems to be choice. Hmm. Hmm. Um, a lot of the stories, you know, the gods always have been what they are. In most superhero origins, there seems to be a choice of I, I could be this or I could walk away. I mean, Spider-Man faces that every other issue. Hmm. <laughs> um, and even somebody as inherently powerful as Superman still occasionally faces the moment of, do I keep doing this? Uh, who am I? That's I, I. That's an interesting idea. The idea that a, that a, that a deity is bound by certain rules, and you see this with uh, demons as well, right? That they're they're oftentimes have a code that they have to abide by, and it's not really optional. Um, so, like a like a god presumably has to uh, oversee certain fundamental aspects of reality uh and is is responsible in some way though i'm trying to think i mean there are there are there are some myths where death dies or something like that isn't there or maybe maybe i'm wrong on that well definitely on supernatural (laughs) (laughs) Um, spoiler spoiler um also i think um there's just this ability to manipulate the world and i just came out of a harry potter and philosophy discussion with kids and this kid said um the ability to manipulate the world or matter through your mind because his theory was that um spells come from your mind and they're they're channeled through your body and your wand um that that is the definition of a witch or wizard and I think to some degree, um, apart from the ultimate creator God, the sort of absolute, the ability to um, manipulate the world in ways that are beyond human capabilities, that is a definition of both um, superheroes and gods. But superheroes, I mean, gods tend to um, have these innate abilities that are 
like more directly manipulating matter, like Loki um, is capable of enchantments. Um, so I don't know that actually he can manipulate matter, but he can manipulate the appearance of reality. Um, I actually don't know where I'm going with this, except that um, superheroes act solely in the physical world and they can manipulate the world in ways that humans can't. They can defy physics. And I think that's true of gods too, but gods also function in other realms and they can more directly manipulate matter sometimes um, through a kind of magic. Go ahead, Terrence. No, I was going to say, that's what I was thinking is that gods have this, have a different agenda. Like they, they have this long view of, they tend to be immortal and they have this long view of what's, what's best for humanity if they care about humanity and their agenda doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to be on the side of, you know, the humans, I feel. Yeah. So now I was thinking about, um, the dark Knight, the movie, the dark Knight, and you have the Joker and Batman facing off both, both characters who don't have superpowers. Right. But you look at this movie and it really feels like it's a, a God, of chaos versus another god of i don't know justice maybe and, and because they they just feel so apart from human concerns but yet neither of them are 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 characters that in theory have superpowers i mean they're rich or you know clever or whatever um so Guy. but but i but i kind of felt like they they kind of felt almost into that category. And, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, it's like what they didn't feel like superheroes in that movie to me. I mean, they were technically, but they didn't feel that way. They felt more like they were, um, they were more metaphorical. They were more uh, analogical. And, you know, how does that play a role? Do you think uh, do, I mean, do gods represent mm -hmm. things in a way differently than, um, than, than superheroes in that respect? Yes, I think so. I think Batman and the Joker could be the id and the superego. So that's a Freudian view. But to get sort of Jungian, um, I think that gods and, the, and heroes and the myths about them represent aspects of our psyche. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't actually know how gods and heroes would function differently in that sense, except that I think Jung really thought that the archetypes existed in some way. Um, and so gods could definitely be archetypes and maybe superheroes are also archetypes, but um, in a different way, like superheroes are um, archetypes that get their meanings from the from the gods that exist. Like there's these sort of, there's sort of the ultimate meaning with the gods. And then like the hero is the instrument of God mm -hmm. and- um, Reflection. Yeah, a reflection, but yeah. And yes, reflection is a great word. I think a reflection and an instrument. So they're sort of carrying mm -hmm. out, like taking the meaning that comes from the gods and um, translating it into the world. Mm -hmm. And all of this is really just a representation of 
the deepest parts of the human psyche. Nice. When you were comparing the uh, the Joker and Batman to the id and the superego, I had to I had to wonder: Does that mean that Alfred is the ego? Oh, that's maybe. <laughs> I like it. Well, this reminds me of uh, I've heard Star Trek the in the original series that people would break them down like that. <laughs> that uh, um, or or rather, it was the I, that was compared to the the Platonic. Uh, definition of the mind which is like the the appetites versus the the reason versus the uh the morality or ooh, i can't remember there was well i think dr mccoy was the appetites uh spock was no 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 no, no. kirk was the appetites i can't remember the tripartite theory of the soul uh you had the, the <laughs> rational mind Oh geez, this is this is you know I have a degree in this stuff. For <laughs> I'm a philosophy nonprofit. It oh, it's funny that while we were talking about archetypes, you mentioned the Dark Knight, and I that brought me back to thinking about Dennis O'Neill, who used to be one of the editors on Batman. He used to say that Batman reminded him of a dark king of the underworld who had somehow lost control of his subjects. Oh, very interesting. That's a really interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. (laughs) I love that. I love that. (laughs) Here we go. Logos, Thymos, and Eros. So you basically had uh, one that was related to reason. That would have been Spock. Uh, Related to anger, Thymos, that would have to be Dr. McCoy because he's just getting angry all the time. And then Eros is related to the desires and that would have to be Captain Kirk. So there you go. (laughs) That was how, that was a philosophy professor of mine that floated that one. Okay, we got, we got less than 50 seconds left. Any, any other thoughts on superheroes and gods? (laughs) I mean, you have actual gods in superhero comics. I mean, how do they function differently than gods and myth? Uh, I think they take on the role of both of the hero more than they take on the role of gods. But um, yeah, Thor doesn't roll around like changing weather patterns just for the sake of, you know, crops and stuff as much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I like the idea that gods have a long view, but I think like sort of what um, distinguishes like Odin and Thor, um, like they have a paternalistic view. Um, so they're responsible for people. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it at that. We have come to the end of our superhero sidebar. All right, folks, we will return with the second half of our brainstorming session into the pantheon of linguistic gods in just a moment. Welcome back to the Heroic Origins podcast. I'm Dave, and I'm here with Terrence and Kelly, and Scott. And we are brainstorming uh, and fleshing out this uh, concept of a uh, linguistic pantheon of deities. So, um, all right. So let's uh, let's continue uh, with where we left off. So we've, we've come up with several uh, areas here. We, we do need to get, you know, finish up our, uh, probably the naming conventions for some of these. We have prescriptive and descriptive uh grammar we need names for those characters a god of translation you know i'm wondering translation that reminds me of you know like the tower of babel Mm. what if 
what if it's what if there was a demon or a monster that you know sort of did the babel type of thing and just sort of it used to be one language and became other stuff mm -hmm. and so uh so a god of translation is almost at odds or or maybe it's not even maybe the god of translation is the demon that separated everything and they did that specifically to gain leverage over the other gods that's what i think that Ooh, i was I like having that, that or just so that they could have the power of being the one who translates. Yeah. So I'm going to put that down under uh, creatures. I think that should be some sort of monster. Not like the not like that's their you know their Hades or their. Well, it could be. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Well, actually, I like that. It's just a disruptive. So we could do that. Um, well, let's let's come up with some concrete names because we're down here with our our last brainstorming period here. So when I settle on these. What do we, I mean, Melissa just alone is fine with goddess of spelling. If we can come mm -hmm. up with a second name, we could probably do that. But, but prescriptive and descriptive grammar and also translation. What, what do we want to call these folks? I mean, you know, this is the, th we have kind of a, a, a Greek origins going here for the, the translation person. That person could have a very different name, right? Maybe yeah. something in Esperanto. <laughs> that's oh. perfect in elvish <laughs> yes something that maybe something that means many truths or many meanings in klingon <laughs> in klingon i like that <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard shakespeare until you've heard him in the original klingon <laughs> yes yes well what's it let's see there's gobbledygook um mumble uh uh uh, gibberish I mean, it could be something like gibber uh gibber something that could be the name of the yes yeah the... Hmm. it wouldn't work for a name here but you got me thinking how the the greek word barbarian came about because they always felt that uh, anybody who didn't speak greek was just mouthing bar 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 <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah that actually oh. yeah uh gibber blah blah what do you think of terrence what do you got there it looks like you have some oh, i was just i was just looking up some stuff I, you know things like balderdash and because nonsense is what you're really talking about so well i think yeah 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 i mean or it creates the semblance of 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 nonsense right yeah. but balderdash balderdash is kind of because Balder is like a Norse uh, god, so yeah. <laughs> so it could be. Um, what would the first name be? Dash or I mean Balder or Dash? What do you think? It could be Dash Balderson or something. Or Malarkey. <laughs> Sounds like a Flash Gordon character. Oh, Malarkey. <laughs> Malarkey would be a very would be a very powerful being these days. <laughs> well, what I like is I kind of feel like that this 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 god could be um, this deity could be a little bit playful too, mm -hmm. because they did this they they broke up the language so it could be. Um, like Mr. Malarkey, that might be a little too silly, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, it could be, it could be your typical comic book alliteration, uh, Mickey, Mickey Malarkey or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that feels like a comic book thing. Right. 
Right. I don't know, Terrence, you're you're grimacing. What do you what do you, you think? know? I don't. It's too comic booky. That's right. You don't like those alliterative uh, names, yeah. You don't. So, you, you, you don't want Richard Rigmarole. <laughs> oh my. Well, what what do you like? Do you like uh, like building off a of balderdash, malarkey, or mixing the two? What are, what are some other things, Terrence? You got there? Um, no, I was just going through all. I mean, there's a ton of them. You know, you get baloney and tripe and. Mm. Tripe, Tri- like yeah. Donald Tripe. You know, <laughs> I think he would be a demon. <laughs> yes, yes. Or if you want, you could do bunk. Herbal entropy. Bunk Balderson. There's your Bunkos. Bunk Balderson? Oh, you'd be okay with that? That's what you'd be okay with, Terrence? Well, you like that. I kind of like Bunkos. Bunkos. That was Kelly's suggestion. Oh, I didn't hear it. Okay. Bunkos. It sounds like a board game. It does. (laughs) Well, that would be be interesting. So, boy. Um, Well, but that brings us back to our regular naming convention, which is okay, which is doing kind of Greek playoff greek well poly polyverbia polyverbia <laughs> oh but poly actually is poly's kind of a poly malarkey <laughs> as in lots and lots of malarkey <laughs> well but i mean that's kind of kind of gets at the kind of gets at the essence right it, uh, you know it would also be somebody who takes on you know once you change it it's like you have the sacred language which is the one language and then it got kind of, uh, um, what would you call it? Kind of corrupted. And so you could see somebody somebody who corrupted the language and split it up and made it into um, regional things that they may want to take on a regional name. They should have, yeah, they should have multiple names, actually. Oh, that's... Of just... <laughs> Bunkos could be the original name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Billy Malarkey is the Irish version. Yeah, that's, that's so Irish. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay, well, we'll do that. It actually makes perfect sense. Does that, so. does, that, does that make does that make the Blarney Stone a sacred site? Yeah, oh, Blarney, Blarney, Billy Blarney, <laughs> Billy Blarney. Okay, I know that doesn't. Uh, Terrence doesn't like that. Okay, no, that's but, fine. <laughs> Polly Malarkey. Now that any name you come up with could be their name. <laughs> so that's it. Okay, so this is the. This is. Uh, so this is the god or our goddess uh, in this case looks more like, uh, or actually, well, we you know Mimos is is uh, uh, fluid, gender fluid. So yeah. so that uh, would make sense that that uh, Polly Malarkey would also be gender fluid. So I like that. That's also a foundational myth right there. That's kind of a neat. Yes. Okay, we need names for the prescriptive and descriptive grammar. I have no idea. Connotatus and denotatus. Hey. <laughs> well, but I, I, we can play off of that because con, con could be like con, something, and and Denny, con and Denny, you know. Connor and Dennis. Yeah. Connor and Dennis. Yeah, you know, it could be something like that. <laughs> let's let's look up that synonym for connotation. Overtone. Ooh, like Max Overtone or something like that. <laughs> Nuance. Nuance. Nuance is a great one. But yeah. that's, that's, uh, yeah, okay. What is Greek for nuance? I, I can't pronounce Ap- that. Apros. <laughs> Parcheesi? What is that? 
Oh, I can't do it. Apocrisy. It's like it sounds like hypocrisy, but without the H. Apocrisy. Sure. So, sure. So that's that's interesting. Okay. So apocrisy. That would be. So that's descriptive, not. I think so. Yes, I would agree. Okay, and then prescript. Okay, so kind of so denotation. So we need. Oh, a, that was for nuance, though. We that need, was. We, a, we need. A, we need Greek for judgment or rules, then. Yes. Yes. Dicastus. 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 <laughs> well, just Dicastus. That's great. Let's do that. Dicastus and hypocrisy. Perfect. So we've got our main gods. Okay, this is great. Um, so the sacred sites are there. So are the, those are general sacred sites, TV towers, mass media platforms, village squares, campfires, library. Well, let's see, you were saying like a campfire might be more of a ritual. I think storytelling would be the ritual and the campfire would be the site. Yeah. Agreed. Storytelling. Okay. Campfire. Now, is there like a, but are there like specific, um, you know, we have that tome of Epictetus, right? Mm -hmm. We have a specific, uh, 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 item that is fundamental to these characters. Do we want like a conch shell or something, you know, mm, to represent, <laughs> uh, uh, Robert's rules of order or whatever. <laughs> oh, oh my! Uh, oh my. Lord of the Flies. I'm thinking. Well, the, yes, yes, that, yes, that was exactly what came to mind. <laughs> so, because that was, you know, you, you, you. What do, what do you call that when you have a, uh, uh, when you're, when you're sort of imbuing this power of speaking to, uh, to someone, you know, um, well, there's storytelling. There's, uh, <laughs> which means the word it? thief should probably be a mythological creature. <laughs> The what? I'm sorry. The word thief. Word thief. Word. What is a word thief? What do you mean? Uh, that that that's who's just stolen the word that was on the tip of your tongue that you were just about to say <laughs> that you know. Oh, that's beautiful. Well. Yes. The word thief. The word oh. I'm plagued by the word thief. Steals words from the tip of your tongue. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. What are what are some other things that we have trouble with with language? Um. I mean, there's obviously misunderstanding. Uh. I think um, using a word, I, I think um, irony, but, a, but particularly when you represent yourself with language that is the opposite of what you do. So hmm. calling yourself a patriot, then storming the Capitol, for example. Yes. Yes, irony, deception. Yeah. Yes, the... And just the misuse of language in general, like, um, you know, think uh, malapropisms. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yes. Mallory. Well, no, no, but uh, let's see, should it be a, should it actually be a creature or should it be like, like the word thief that could be like word thieves, you know, they could be like a bunch of elves that are everywhere, you know, <laughs> it would explain um, a lot, wouldn't it? <laughs> and then, um, and, you know, but the, you know, Matt, you know, with a malapropism, that could be a, um, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, are we talking about like a, a, a class of mythological creature or a specific one? There's like a sphinx, which is a specific 
creature, but then you have the the dryads and the naiads, which are a class of creature. Well, maybe, well, maybe the malapropers are kind of a creature that was either created by or born of of polymalarkey, etc. Um, you know, kind oh. of kind of the way that Loki gave birth to certain monsters in Norse myth. Oh, so they're the children. Okay, like the malapropists are children of uh, polymalarkey. Interesting. Or it could, I like this idea better that what Scott said better, but I also thought it could be um, sort of a high priest or a priest of a cult of Ooh. polymalarkey. Ooh. And that that does malapropist like the malapriest or what? What are we? Yeah, like their job would be to be a cult leader or to um, sow political discord through exaggerated language. Um, well, and we can do that too. Yes. That could be a, um, so exaggerations, sort of hyperbole, hyperbolos. <laughs> or, well, now, well, it's not a God though, in this case, it's a, um, so like a, 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 a priest, priests of hyperbole or something like that. Or the hyperbolos. The, the hyperbolos, the, the high yes. hyper the, and their and, and their followers wear golden masks. Nice. The hyperbolos, or and they wear what? Golden masks. Golden masks. Yeah, like it, it 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 looks really nice, but it's actually hiding what's underneath. And I, I think one of their sacred activities or one of their worshipful activities would be um, acting as internet trolls. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. What does the sacred librarian do? I'm a little bit confused on that one. I think the sacred librarian um, collects language and languages and particularly, like, especially particularly striking uses of language, but actually every little thing that has to do with words and meaning. And you can access it. Um, if you appeal properly to the sacred librarian. So you have to ask exactly the right question. And it's sort of like a temperamental Google. <laughs> a temperamental what? Google. 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 <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't catch a that. A temperamental Google. Oh. Google, oh, okay. <laughs> there is, uh, it gives the words order, logic, meaning, but you have to, but you have to be connected to that order logic, meaning for it to work. Am I, am I understanding great. that idea, Kelly? <laughs> yes, that's excellent. Okay, we're down to under five minutes. What are some fundamental things that we uh, haven't talked about here? Let's see. Okay, so we got the encyclopes. We've got the word thief, thieves. Or should we say thief or thieves? I like thieves. I like, I like the idea. Yeah, I, like I like the plural too. Okay, word thieves, and that they don't necessarily have to have a special name. Uh, sacred librarian. Okay, the hyperbolist. What are some just fundamental aspects of 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 religion or mythology that uh, we may not have touched on? You know, I mean, the Pope is like the the Pope is the uh, intermediary between the God, well, between God and 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 man, right? So, I mean, is the sacred librarian does the sacred librarian serve that role, or is it is there a different character that does that? Or does it matter because these these folks may be interacting more directly? Well, from what we were discussing earlier, it sounded like the sacred librarian was was channeling 
the word gods if almost to the point of being possessed by them i was oh, okay I, I was reminded of homer asking for the muse to come upon him when he is invoking the odyssey this is like the oracle of delphi or something yes kind of like that the google of delphi mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, i think you've got a lot of priests who are just storytellers that would be which would be the um which would be like the demigods and the heroes right i mean those would be the well i that's well, an interesting well no i mean just as far as your your priests who you know are spreading the word maybe your missionaries or what have you would just be the, your storytellers who are gathering around the campfires and you know spreading the bards of the world yeah because <laughs> i mean there's obviously creative people out there that do a lot with language but then you, you know, but, but the idea is that, I mean, I, well, we haven't talked about this, like, um, do people actually worship these gods or are they kind of just, I mean, we, we have the sacred librarian, which is a direct conduit here, but I mean, do people, are they inspired by, I, I mean, I, that, that's, what, is it something like they, they, they used to worship them, but they don't anymore. Um, what, 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 how does, how does that fit in? And I think since we put them on this scale of gods, I mean, they're not limited to, you know, one space. So there should be some place where people are still worshiping them, you know, where, where people are still seeking meaning. <laughs> well, I think we had but talked, Terrence, I think we had talked that the alien race that's trying to conquer the earth in our, our story is the Lyceum, which is a right. university-based empire, you know, that they're, <laughs> they're trying to, you know, matriculate everybody in the universe, right? And I think that they, they worship these gods explicitly, right? I think, like, followers or um, parishioners, I guess, of the sacred librarian um would be worshipers of semantos but then there's like a cult of anastrophia or a cult of polymalarkey mm -hmm. mm, okay yes and i'm wondering if this is almost an apocalyptic time for them because this is a moment where where meaning where words are everywhere but meaning is obscured that's so good well uh, it, it's that it's the it's that this is a time period where polymalarkey is actually more in control is more in charge, right? Polymalarchy malarkey is the, the forces of polymalarkey are currently winning uh, or or gaining traction. So, that's like kenotheism, where you know all the gods are ultimately one, but the god that you're worshiping at the moment or invoking that god is the ultimate god or the representative of the ultimate god for you in that moment. Oh. And I I think the problem is that. Um, too many people are invoking polymalarkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, the dark side is always more seductive, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's interesting. Oh, no! Uh, we are now out of time, but I think we actually did... I think we did really well. I don't know what you, what you all think. Is there anything that we... Any, any just kind of... Uh, Anything that you feel like we really didn't settle on here? We could have fleshed out the foundational myths, but I think we got a good start. Yes, I agree. 
Yeah, yeah, and we can always revisit this at some point. Yeah. But the the found I think one one of the foundational myths that we came up with though is is polymalarkey. Just that in and of itself <laughs> yes. is huge, yeah. and that sets the at least like an immediate conflict with it. You know, because it's like the twilight of the it's like the twilight of the gods in. Um, yeah, we didn't come up with an origin myth, right? That's what we're really missing, you know, the origin of language. But we do have kind of a crisis and maybe a twilight of language, which, 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 which but uh, you know, that it sort of polymalarkey takes over and sub, you know subjugates the other gods, uh, and and nobody can communicate anymore if it, if if uh, poly becomes purely dominant or something. Yeah, I have two thoughts. I love um, the sort of in the beginning there was meaning because it suggests that meaning is objective. There's an objective mm -hmm. meaning. It's not how you see reality is not just only, it's not only subjective. And then I think the aliens could actually be um, benevolent, but we perceive them as a threat because they want to matriculate everyone to teach them critical thinking. <laughs> well, that's the the Lyceum is kind of uh, Terrence and I. We've talked a lot about how you know whether they're the good guys or bad guys, and and whether we're going to kind of flip that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a that that is an interesting question there. You know, um, all right. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the brainstorm here. Uh, I wanna I wanna thank our guests uh, 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 Scott Roche and Kelly Cowling. Thank you both for coming on. Uh, if you have anything that you want to plug, uh, this would be a good time to do it. I do. I absolutely do. And thank you for having us. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to plug Grey Havens philosophy, G-R-E-Y, Havens with an S that comes from Tolkien, philosophy. We are a P4C or philosophy for children and communities nonprofit. We teach critical, creative, collaborative, and caring thinking by thinking with people. So it's um, second order thinking rather than first order thinking. First order thinking is you trying to understand the discourse of other people. So trying to figure out what Kant was saying. Um, first order thinking is you deciding what you think and who you are and what stance you're taking in any given moment. And so we believe that everyone is a philosopher. Everyone thinks about what is right and what is fair and what is true. And I think, and what's important. Um, so we give people the opportunity to do that together because we think better when we think together. We start um, right now, our programs start with children as young as five. Um, and we'd have kids and teens programs and lots of adult programs. Most of them are online um, at the moment um, and those are international and we have local programs near our headquarters, Longmont, Colorado. And if you're interested in us, you can look up Gray, G-R-E-Y, Havens with an S, Philosophy on Facebook. Um, you can look us up on Eventbrite and see all of our online programs and register for them, or you can go to our website, which is greyhavensgroup.org. All right, all right. Scott, do you have anything that you wanted to uh, endorse or, 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 or promote? You know, since Kelly has gone with the message, I'm going to go with the medium here, or at least one aspect of it. Um, some of you know that in my other life, I've, I currently uh, work for 
uh, Longwood Power Communications and for the uh, Next Light Fiber Optic Network. And one program that we've been trying to get the word out more is a um, program called Sharing the Next Light, uh, which basically enables house households with uh, kids who are either Head Start preschoolers, free or reduced lunch K through 12s, or Pell Grant um, um, qualifying college students to receive a free fiber optic connection to their home as part of um, part of narrowing the digital divide in wow. education. Wow. Yes. Yes. It's an exciting program and we're trying to get more people aware of it um, so that so that we can get it we can get it get it more used and get more more people online. I mean we've we've seen that um, internet is the uh, if the if if anything the pandemic underlined how internet is a fundamental utility of our times, and yes. we want to make sure that the utility is available, accessible to as much of our community as we can. That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. And there's there's more about the program on the Nextlight website at uh, mynextlight.com. All right. All right. Well, once again, thank you both for coming on. This is this was abs- this is really really fun and and intellectually stimulating as well. Uh, it's just uh, interesting to kind of basically create our own mythology here. So, so thank you so much for coming on. And uh, Terrence and I are going to be back in 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 just a moment to uh, summarize everything. And uh, yeah, so we'll talk to you in just a just a moment. Welcome back to the Heroic Origins Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Terrence. And we have been building a pantheon of gods. Linguistic gods, to be specific. But let's summarize what we've got, Terrence. In the beginning, there was meaning, and his name was Samantos. Samantos met with Apocrisy and Decastia, the sisters of structure, and they gave birth to the word. And the word begat Epiphany, goddess of poetry. Paranomasia, goddess of puns. Melissa, goddess of spelling. Anastrophia and Patho Sardanus, the gods of rhetoric. Mimos, the god of contagious ideas. And Bunkos, the many-named god. But Bunkos was a jealous god and sought to divide the pantheon by splitting the word into many forms and acting as a gatekeeper between those novel languages. Under the aliases Holly Malarkey, Dash Balderson, and Billy Blarney, Bunkos breeds chaos through the avenues of communication with word thieves who steal from the tip of your tongue. Malapropists who mix your metaphors and the hyperbolos who troll the media with exaggerations. Many heroes arose in the quest for linguipotence. Names such as Cicero, Shakespeare, Daniel Webster, and Lin-Manuel Miranda. The mythical encyclops archived the changes in language over time. For those mortals who dare to ask questions, the sacred librarian acts as a direct conduit to Samantos and the other linguistic gods. Their priests are storytellers. And cults develop around individual gods, leading to the ebb and flow of linguistic power. In our current world, the mighty Bunkos threatens the cohesion of society. And the other gods fight to fend off the twilight of meaning. So so that's what we came up with this. I think this is really fascinating, the idea of having linguistic yeah. gods. And we didn't really get into the nitty gritty about how they they 
they physically interact with people, you know? Um, right. But those stories are, are to come, right? Yeah, they are. And I, <laughs> I'm, I think this is kind of a novel way to go with uh, this kind of a, a set of deities and whatnot. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah. But tell us what you think. Yeah, if you want to send us your uh, send us your feedback, uh, just uh, email us at heroicpod at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And that's a wrap. Keep on hero smithing, true conceivers, and we'll see you next week on Heroic Origins. Stop! Stop.